Welcome to Third Chances, a talk show where we like to hear from people who devoted their life to health, fitness and wellness. Medical professionals, health coaches and all the others who help us every day to cure our body, mind or soul. Those who always look for more natural, holistic ways to help even more people to live a happier and healthier life. Those who don't like to give up easily and settle on you or themselves. It is never too late or too soon. I always believe that every one of us deserves not just a second chance, but as many as we need. I'm Vera, your host. Who better than a master of reinvention with an accent to guide you through it, right? Just like they say, you are not a tree, so move. And God knows I have done just that in my own life many, many times. If you are not completely happy with the direction your life is going, this show may help you get the courage to change what is needed, find a new path and take charge. So come on over, pour yourself a glass of wine and spend some time with us. Let's laugh and cry together and get inspired by people just like you and me who overcame their own doubts and took a leap of faith to reinvent their life on their own terms. I hope and pray that we help you on that journey. And if you feel so compelled and inspired, please let us know. Don't be shy. Who knows? You may just be our next featured guest with another inspiring success story. So here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Third Chances, where I have the privilege to interview really interesting people that overcame something significant and became somebody else that they originally planned to be <laughs> and i one i found this wonderful woman kathleen devonport we met online and i'm super jealous even though i'm in florida she's in uh, hawaii which is <laughs> a place that i have never been and let me just tell you a little bit about who kathleen is or kathy whatever you prefer Kathy is a professional photographer, certified life coach, motivational speaker, personal development trainer, golfer, and retired Air Force officer recognized as one of the 100 most influential Filipina women in the USA. Oh, wow. <laughs> Blending her unique skill set and her own personal transformations, she helps people, particularly those like us over 50 look at life from a different angle and confidently start a new chapter so kathy welcome to my podcast that's definitely the four the first air force officer <laughs> my well thank you for your service and my oh, thank you. big hat off to you because i <laughs> i want to know everything about how beautiful women like you decide to become military Oh, goodness. Well, well, thank you so much for, for inviting me to be here. I'm absolutely delighted to be able to have this opportunity to chat with you and just share some insights and, and chat. Pleasure is mine because you are exactly what I'm looking for. You you have that story that people get inspired by and that's, <laughs> it's our obligation to share it so others can Wonderful. get their strength that maybe they are desperately trying to find you know so, right, so I'm, right. I'm looking forward for a nice episode because i'm really curious about your life and what you <laughs> overcame 
And so tell me how does Filipina, well, first of all, were you born in this country or you emigrated as? Yes, I am a Filipino, but born and raised in Kansas in the okay. you know, middle of the middle of the United States, the continental United States. Um, my father was born and raised in the Philippines, and he had the opportunity to join the U.S. forces during World War II. And so as a result of that, he came to the United States where he met my mother, who was also Filipino, but she had never been outside the United States. Her parents had come over from the Philippines and they were students and entertainers. And so they were in the same vicinity of where my father was then assigned and they met and got married and obviously had a family. So that's how I wound up, I or I am a Filipino born and raised in, in the Midwest in Kansas, yeah. but came to Hawaii as a result of, of joining the military myself. Well, did you lose your red shoes so you are not in Kansas anymore? <laughs> Do I, did I lose my what? Did you lose your red shoes so you weren't in Kansas anymore? I get asked that a lot, but you know, I, 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 I loved Kansas growing up there. You know, it's just such a, such a wonderful place. And it was a great place for me to, to grow up, you know, and, and to be, and I still go there and I ha still have family there. And how long but did it, you stay? How long were you, did you live? I there? was there through, from when I was born to when I went through college. And then when I went to college, that's where I joined the um, Reserve Officer Training Corps, the ROTC, and got um, commissioned as an officer right out of college. Mm. And then that's, so I was what, um, 20, 21, 22 years old when I left Kansas to start my military career. But so was it something you always wanted to do or did it just <laughs> no. came out no. of The military was the furthest thing from my mind. I grew up next to a an army army post, um, Fort Riley, Kansas. Um, and I'd always see the soldiers and everything. And I thought, well, you know, that lifestyle is definitely not for me, not for me. But in college, several of the friends, and including my boyfriend at the time, several of my friends were in the ROTC program. These were guys who were, you know, determined they were going to go into the military. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, good for you guys. But then they said one semester, and this is probably my junior year, I think it was in college. They said, hey, why don't you join ROTC with us? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. But... They said, hey, but we're going to be going to a visit to Florida to visit. They didn't say it was a base visit, which is officially what it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But they said, we're going to go to Florida and we're going to go to Disney World. <laughs> and ah. I, said, I, I said, oh, that sounds like fun. And they said, yeah, it's, there's a free plane ride that you get there. We go visit the military base and we go see Disney World. All you have to do is be a part of the ROTC program and just join for one semester. And then you can you can not join the next semester. I said, Wow, okay. really? That sounds fun. Well, what happened? The the base visit never happened. <laughs> it fell up. It never went through, but I got into the ROTC program and I loved it. It was exactly what I needed to be, the structure that I needed and the the focus that I needed. And so they started giving me little scholarships and I thought, "Okay." So I wound up going all the way through and getting commissioned as an officer. I loved it because you were probably open-minded enough to, you know, see what it where it takes you. Exactly. Saying like, okay, never, you know, because that would be kind of hilarious if you were going to risk your life for possibility of visiting Disney. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then it really did, everything started settling in 
And I, I realized the mission. I realized that this was really, you know, the, the people there had integrity and they had a, they had, they had goals. They knew where yeah. they were going. And I thought, this is the kind of people I like to be around. You're fun. So never expecting that I would, you know, have an entire career. That's in the military. And so did you have something else originally in mind? When, when Yes. I had always wanted to be ever since I was a little girl. And that's what I was going to college for was to be a teacher. And I had actually pretty much almost finished my, you know, I was one semester away from getting my teaching certificate and graduating as a teacher. And then I joined the ROTC program. So I never finished it. But I always even as a little girl, I remember rounding up my brothers and sister and saying, we're playing school and I and you guys are in school. You're my, you're my students. <laughs> okay, I need to ask you something because I had the same dream. And I think today, looking back, it was more me being in charge. <laughs> and I was like impressed with that, you know, role that everybody has to sit and be quiet and, and the teacher's <laughs> talking. I wonder if that was something similar for you because I wanted to be a teacher as well and it's it's it, I think looking back today I think that was mainly the because I was always kind of a leader in my field I didn't want to follow I wanted to lead so I wonder if that may be similar yeah, you know I never thought about it that way but that's probably part that's of it that's probably a good part of it in the back of my mind yeah I did like to be in charge you of never that. played the students right you I never played the student. And I remember, I think at it now, my sister was always saying, you're the bossy one. Yes. <laughs> so that's probably what was behind all of this. That's probably. But so when you started, uh, when that decision was made that you're going to join the Air Force, because that's even like freaking next level for me to imagine <laughs> that not only military, but now you're going to be flying planes or what? I, I wasn't, you know, they, you don't really get to choose. You kind of decide maybe what kind of career field you want to go into. Okay. And, you know, I, I knew I was, I was too short to be a pilot. So I knew that was never, never going to happen. In fact, one of the stories that I have to tell about being in the military, when I was still um, in, a cadet in ROTC, we had a, a field training camp, a summer camp to kind of prepare us. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the officers there saying, he said, look, cadet, don't expect to go far in the military because you've already got three strikes against you. He said, you're short, you're female, and you're a minority. Ooh. Oh, and I didn't really, you know, I'm too naive to even think anything. I just thought, okay, thank you. You well, know, this is quite a few years ago, right? That's this was, yeah. Oh yeah. This was many, many years ago. This was, excuse me. I was still in college. I still had one more year of college left after that. So you know, it was just something I tucked away, but I didn't really think of it as a negative comment. I now I look at it, I think, holy cow! You know, he's yeah, trying well, to today's be, different standard. Today's a, a lot. Yeah, today he would but never. Would, have, would never you have be said. like? Did you retreat because of it, or did you kind of feel like I'll, I'm going to show you? No, you know what? Neither one. What was surprising when I really think about it, I didn't really think like, okay, let me show you, or I didn't think like, well, you know, whatever. I just kind of like, you know what? I'm just here to do the best I can. You know, and, and I think that's always been my attitude is I don't have to prove anything to anybody mm -hmm. and I don't need to shy away from it. You just continue to do the best that you can. And I, and I did and wound up graduating actually in the ROTC program at the top of my class, my, uh, my ROTC class. So, you know, it was, it was a really good experience, but I, 
when you said asked about, you know, what field did I go into? It was they looked at your your scores and what your areas of study and what they think you would be good for. And I wound up being assigned to the intelligence field. Mm-hmm. So well, and I see that I don't know anything about it. So. Oh, well, you know, it, what was interesting about it, really, where I wound up going to my first assignment, I was doing training for fighter pilots. So I was teaching teaching fighter pilots about different um, just different things. So, so you I, were was, still I was teaching. Look at I that. was teaching, and it, when I look back over all the years, everything that I've done, all my even different careers since I got out of the military and retired, have all involved teaching in one way or another. So I still, I I, I did it. You know, I still yeah. did it. It was just a different, and and it really again when I think about it, it, maybe it was a little bit or is a little bit of like I like being in charge. But I like seeing things happen. I like making things happen. And I think that's, I like seeing people transform. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I I liked the teaching side of it. When you did, did you feel like anybody would look at you like, what do you know? You are a woman. Oh, absolutely. From the young cadets. (laughs) Absolutely. Not so much even from the other cadets, because we were all just, we were all just, you know, we were just babies still in college, you know, but when I did go into the military, you know, especially when I was assigned to a fighter squadron, which is my very first assignment, that's all, that's a, all men, you know, at that time we didn't have any female pilots and these are the elite. These are the fighter pilots of the, of the U S air force. And so while they were cordial to me, you know, there were still, you can tell in the back of the mind, they were like, okay, here's this little female, you know, and I was only, there were only two female in the entire squadron. You know, who's this little female telling us? But fortunately, 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 I had one of the gentlemen who was well-respected and he was in a position of authority, took me aside and he said, I'm going to make you the best intel officer you could possibly be. So he took me under his wing and he mentored me. And And, and we're still friends to this day, but I will never forget how he took the time mm-hmm. to... He, whenever we had a question, he would set aside anything that he was working on and say, let me help you answer that question or let me, anything that I wanted to talk about or any of us, he would say, and he went on to become a four-star general, which was great, but he, we knew he would be good. So that, those kinds of things stuck in my mind about how to treat people and, and how to be, you know, so I was very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I was fortunate to have people, mentors all throughout my, mm-hmm. my various careers. Yeah, you can tell by that uh, what who the really leadership position, uh, who has the qualities for leadership. Yeah, yeah. Because I have met both ways. I have met very chauvinistic bosses, mm-hmm. and very, very much like what you're saying, very open-minded. Uh, my door is always open, and you have h- huge respect, but yeah. at the same time you feel. Like you can really come with anything and he will help you. Yeah. Exactly. I, I was to have a boss like that at once. As, as yeah. Well. Yeah. Th- that was, and that was, I was so fortunate to be able to have somebody like that so early on in my career because I got to think, you know what? This is how you treat people. And that yeah. was the role model that I wanted to model. Did you so. not have it at home? I did. I, you know, my parents, well, the kind of what was interesting is before I went into the military, I came from a very traditional family and my parents were very much against me as a daughter going into, it was okay if I wanted to be a nurse, maybe even a doctor, an attorney, something like that, and or teacher, 
perfectly fine. And it was okay for brothers to think about going into the military, but for a daughter to go in, oh my gosh, I thought they were going to disown me, but they finally warmed up to the idea. And then at the end, it was my father who, and mother who both, you know, commissioned me into the, you know, were at my um, swearing in ceremony and swore me into the military. So they came around and were very, very proud, but there was, yeah. And, you know, and they support us throughout the years, but it was just a different time. Yeah. How long did you stay in the military? I stayed, you know, a normal military career is, is 20 years or beyond. And I was able to retire at age, uh, not age, but at 15 and a half years because of the military. So that's considered an early retirement. The military was told to downsize and basically they were paying people to get out. Congress had told people, you know, had told the military, you need to downsize. We don't have the money to continue to fund at the levels we need to or want Mm -hmm. to. So people were allowed to retire early with less than 20 years, or they were given a bonus to get out. So I just happened to have the right amount of years in to be able to retire early. So, you know, wonderful. Here I was 39 years old and and retired from the Air Force. Yeah. And very young enough to be able to start second or third career. Yeah, well, let's go there because I would like to know, well, first of all, what was happening in your personal life as you are Air Force, you know, oh, Air Force member? Okay. And then, uh, yeah, what was the next step when you when you did take the early retirement? Oh, well, I had a, um, while I was in the Air Force, <clears throat> I was married, I got married to my high school sweetheart and he went into the Army and uh, here I am in the Air Force so, and then as a result of being married, I think we were married about 12 years. We had two, two little girls. And then though the marriage eventually broke up and that was an extremely stressful period for me. In fact, that was one of the, the stories um, I chatted uh, about. And one of my transformational periods was how difficult that time was because here I was working huge, long hours long hours. I was in Washington, D.C. at the time. I had just given birth to my second daughter, the youngest, and I was ill from from the birth. And then I was hospitalized. The stress of everything that was going on was tremendous. And um, the doctor was basically telling me, he says, you got to do something to get rid of the stress. Um, So I had to start making some changes at that point. Because he said, if you don't get rid of the stress, you're going to have two motherless kids. And that was a huge wake up call to me that, that I was taking on too much, not dealing with the stress. Well, not taking care of my own body and I had to slow down and simplify some things. So, but that's easier said than done. How do you know where to go with this? Like, how do you get rid of stress when you are in the middle of stressful divorce? Yeah. You know, at first, because I was going through all this stuff, you know, here, my husband had walked out on me. He wanted a divorce. I had, you know, two-year-old and a a two-month-old and I'm trying to think, what do I do now? And I eventually confided in my boss at work. You know, you're going through all of this and you think, oh my gosh, I'm so shamed. I've got all this stuff. I can't deal with it. What's going on with me? I finally confided in my boss and he was so warm and so good and so supportive. And I thought, oh my gosh, I I didn't expect that. I don't know why I didn't expect it, but it was so nice to have that support behind me. And so then I would tell a few more people and it was amazing how people just kind of rallied around and said, you know, 
what can we do to help? Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do to help. So I realized that reaching out and asking for help when you need it, there's nothing wrong with it. You just have to get over yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, this thought that, oh my gosh, they're going to think of me as weak or, or what's wrong with you. You can't handle what's going on in your own life. But it was so good to have people step up and say, let's help you. Was there, your family was still around? Very good. My family, and since I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time, yes. So my family um, was back in Kansas. So, you know, I spent some time there to to heal and, you know, take care of things and get things straightened out. And then just started, you know, really coming to the acceptance that my life was going to change. I was now going to be a single mom and, you know, had to move on and then um, the Air Force reassigned me back to Hawaii, where I was once again among some friends that I had been with previously, and was able to just really start a whole new life again and start over. That's that's when you decide to settle there? I decided to settle there. Um, I, I then met my second husband. He was also in the Air Force, met him. We got married. Um, the Air Force then offered the early retirement. And I had the opportunity to say, okay, where do I want to go? And I just thought, you know, it's, can I go back to Kansas or do I want to stay in Hawaii? I said, you know, Kansas, Hawaii, Hawaii won out. Yeah. So <laughs> that was not a hard decision. So I just decided to stay in Hawaii and it's just been a, a marvelous thing. Even after my second husband passed several years ago, I still obviously have stayed in Hawaii because I've you know, got such a a culture of people here that surround me now. I've been in the community for so long that it's a wonderful place. So, you know, I'm I'm in a good place that if I decide I want to pack up and leave, I can. But for the foreseeable future, I love it here. I love it here. And you have such a sunshine around you. That's it's showing (laughs) how you are. You know, I'm sure not everything is perfect, but you, you make it perfect. You make it the best you can out of the situation that you are in and it's just so happy to see this peace around you you know there's something something about it oh thank thank you you know it's been it hasn't always been that way I I, thank you very much for that because you know there were these times that Mm -hmm. obviously you know going through the divorce being a single mom you know then then my husband uh, my second husband passed he was ill for a while and then having to deal with that being his caregiver and then dealing with his passing. And then, you know, I had my own cancer experience. So there was a a very rocky time there. And you sometimes you just basically you're living with holding your breaths. And I know a lot of other people can relate to that. So you live every day just holding your breath thinking, okay, am I going to get through this day? But you do. And, And that's kind of why I do what I do now, because I encourage people to realize you will get through this no matter what kind of difficulty you're going through this is only a temporary place and it, it's just meant to maybe strengthen you and maybe rec- help you recognize the strengths that you really do have that you can't see right now, but you really are stronger than you think. And yes, it has brought me to this wonderful place now where I, I'm so much stronger than I was. I know how to basically stand in my power. I know who I am and I feel so much more empowered, but I also feel so much more joy and at peace yeah. with who I am. And and not to say that I sit back and just let things roll around. You know, I, I'm basically more in control of my own life now. I think that's the, that's the most important thing when we, when we go through life kind of reacting to what happens. Yeah. 
or when we really grab that control and realize that you are in charge and you can make things happen that will lead the life you want to live from now on, no matter what happened before. And it's really hard. And we all speak from our own experiences when, when you are in that deep mess, it's of course hard to see that. And, mm -hmm. you know, and all these quotes like, oh, you, what doesn't kill you make you stronger. We know it is <laughs> true, but you don't feel that when you are going through that mess and you feel like how much more can I take? This is like, it's, it's insane. And then when, when did this happen? When you realized that it's your mindset that you have to get control of that will kind of change how you approach things and how you deal with things. And you were a strong person already because you went through the training in the military. And I'm sure that, like you said, you were seeking for that structure and discipline and everything. So that's a big, big, big plus. Mm -hmm. But obviously when it comes to personal life, you we go to periods when we feel like we can't take more anymore. Right. Right. Especially yeah. as women. But... <laughs> oh, especially as women. I was, you know, again, so much, many, I want to say there are no coincidences in life. And I was able to go to this conference and uh, um, the keynote speaker was a gentleman named Jack Canfield, who was also the author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Yes. And he was speaking and I, and I thought, oh, you know, why we're at this business conference. It's a, it's a international conference for business people. And I thought, well, you know, we're all happy in our businesses. Why do we need to be, you know, more warm and fuzzy? Because that's what he was known as. I didn't realize that he was a, actually a personal development trainer. And the talk that he gave was so profound. And it just had so many light bulb moments going on. And I thought, gosh, I'd really love to be able to teach that. But that's his gig. You know, you can't, can't sure. plagiarize what he's doing. But I got on his mailing list. And it was at a time then after that conference, too, where I had been thinking, what else should I be doing? There's something more I needed to be doing with my life. I could just feel it. I, even though I had a good photography career, I'd finished up a nice military career. There was still more that I felt I could be doing. Mm -hmm. And I got on his email list and his email came out and it said, what are you doing the rest of your life? And it was an invitation to a week long personal development retreat on Maui with Jack Canfield. And it was wow. the first time he was ever doing anything like that. And that just called to me. And so and right in your backyard. <laughs> and it was in my backyard. I said, oh my gosh, it's in Maui at that. I don't have to travel, you know, halfway across the world mm -hmm. to, to attend it. Well, anyway, I wound up applying to go because they were only taking 20 people, you know, out of his thousands and thousands of people that he, mm -hmm. he, he knows. And I wound up getting accepted to into the retreat. And that was such a defining period for me because it really helped me now understand more about myself and gave me so much self um, self esteem, self empowerment. It made me think in a different way, and it made me realize. And I think this was probably one of the biggest takeaways was that I'm responsible for everything that happens to my life. You know, things happen, but it's how I choose to respond to it Absolutely. is what's going to set the path forward for me. And it was such a profound experience being there and learning all of this that um, I can't even describe, you know, how, how good it was to do that. But that then became the basis for me wanting to learn more in the personal development realm 
and got invited to then become a legacy trainer of Jack Canfield and then got to actually, he was teaching us that talk that he had given and said, I want you all to take this talk and take it out into the world. So I am actually, you know, had been trained or have been trained to be able to do that mm -hmm. as well. So is it's, this, it's is marvelous. this when your husband was still around or is it? After? Yes. At that point, he was still around. So it was very fortunate that I'd gotten all of this self-empowerment and self-development training because it really helped calm my mind when he was diagnosed with his illness and going through that for the next few years. Because it was just shortly after that, that he was diagnosed and he eventually passed from leukemia. Um, but we spent pretty much two years prior to that dealing with that. But it was my mindset that helped keep me calm and recognizing that this was a, a stage and this was a period and it was something that I you know, we had to accept and flow through instead of trying to fight everything that was was going on around us. So I was able to stay calm throughout that period. And then even when I was diagnosed with cancer a year after he passed, I was still able to use all of that same empowerment to recognize how to get through all of this, you know, how to, you know, it, it's not like try to block things out, but it was more of how do I cope with this in the best way possible, in the yeah. calmest way possible? That's that's good for my mind, but it's also good for my body physically. And health, yeah, yeah, because stress yeah. is showing up exactly there. Yeah. Yeah. So it. So I really and people would ask me. They said, "I don't know how you're doing it. How are you managing to get through with even a sense of humor through all of this?" Thank God for that. Yeah, thank God. And you know, and I had people around me when I got my cancer diagnosis. You know, I had other people around me and say, "Oh my gosh." you know, Kathy, aren't we lucky that we live in a time frame that we can get these things diagnosed and get, and then have a plan developed for how to, how to treat it? I said, and I thought that's such a different way of thinking about, okay, you get this horrible diagnosis and then you yeah. think, but aren't we lucky? And so it was those kinds of things that really helped me, you know, the, I had the foundation to be able to keep building on that and then just keep, keep going through it all and and here I am you know I'm fine obviously today and and still smiling about things and even that's, smiling more now that's something that you know this is it's just such a reminder and like I just said before that you you project such a shiny kind of happiness around you and it's so calming and peaceful and we kind of have a sometimes snap judgments about people and <laughs> think oh they got it easy like they have no idea what I'm going through because she got an easy ride and it's the opposite it's the opposite yeah. of things many times when people are really warm and helping others and and being there for others it's because they went through a lot of hardships themselves but they learn how to cope with it and how to overcome it not just deal with it but became better people because of it and it's yeah. it's it shows so much in you it's it's incredible that's oh yeah. thank you and you know, and that's why I feel so strongly about wanting to help other people yeah to to know that no matter what you are going through you are going to get through this but let me help you find that foundation within yourself that's going to help you do that because I, I really think that if I hadn't had that foundational training 
prior, I probably would have been a mess. You know? For sure. Yeah. But sure. I, I just was very, very fortunate that, that things it, were set up for isn't me. Isn't it interesting? Do you, do you have people around you that never, that the personal growth kind of question never even crossed their mind? They just go through life, reacting to things, dealing with stuff, sometimes yeah. feeling sorry for themselves, blaming things on others or circumstances or whatever it is. And basically making themselves victim because they believe that's out of their control. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's, and it's sad to see people that way. There, there are people that I do see and they recognize it and then somehow we'll connect and they'll ask me, how did you get to where you are? You know, and that, that's their way of reaching out. And I'm thinking, okay, let me see if I can't ignite that little flame inside of you too. Yes, and, that, and that was my question because can you actually take somebody who is reactive, like I mentioned before, can you actually take them and open their eyes that there's so much more if they only open their mind to possibilities that maybe things are in their control, they're just lying to themselves and telling themselves stories? It's not yes. easy. It's not easy. They have to want it. That, that's the big thing. People have to want change. Mm -hmm. If if change is going to happen for them, they have to want it. So when people do approach me or just even, you know, very superficially ask me about how did I get to where I am? You know, if there is that sense that they want things to change for themselves, then I truly believe that there is the ability to ignite that little flame. There's always a little flame inside of people, but sometimes it just gets so buried and so dim. And I think if we can just reach inside and help them reignite it, then they have that ability to make the changes. And I have seen it happen with people, you know, people that I've worked with. And it's, I think that's why I really enjoy doing what I do, because when I see that light bulb go on yeah. within them, it's like, oh my gosh, they get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's, that's what makes, that's what makes it really joyful when when you are able to do that for people. Can I go back to the moments, if if you don't mind, and it's, if it's too sure. sensitive, you tell me. Uh, when you lost your husband, mm -hmm. uh, what, what was the first thing you realized you need to do for yourself? What was the first few months like? What, you know, oh my I, word. I mean, yes, I know it's been a few years, but if you can yeah. recall, looking back, because there are people that just lost someone and they are going through periods when they are trying to figure out what do I even, where do I go from here? It's, it's, it feels like the entire life plans got shattered. Yeah. What was it like, you know, for the first, obviously even just for the first week, two weeks, I just kind of walked around the house, you know, boohooing, who wouldn't boohooing? You just lost your husband, you know, yeah. um, boohooing and and I'm thinking you know I just want to know you're okay that was my biggest thing I wasn't even so much worried for me or what was going to happen or am I going to be able to pay the bills any of that I kept saying I just want to know you're okay I just want to know you're okay and meaning your husband meaning my husband I said you know and how am I ever going to know I'm never going to know are you okay you know now because I just saw you pass mm -hmm. and so it was a very lonely period, but what was, ha what happened, I, I want to say about six or seven days later, and this is kind of one of those really 
interesting types of things. I had a woman call me up and she was a friend. It was somebody I knew. She called me up and she said, Kathy, do you mind if I come over? I have a gift for you. And I said, please do, please come over. It's it's fine. So she came over and she said, Kathy, I have to tell you, I have a message. She goes, you don't know this, but I am you know, kind of connected to the other side. And she says, I have a message from your husband. And she didn't know anything that I've been walking around saying, I just want to know you're okay. You're okay. Right. She didn't know that. She goes, I have a message for your husband. She said, he wants me to tell you that he's okay. (laughs) I said, oh my gosh. And she's, she said, you will get through this. And she goes, I just want you, she goes, he's okay. He wants you to know that. And he wants you to go on living and live your life now. You know, you're going to be okay. And that just kind of brought this calm to me. And I realized, okay, I have to start living. I I didn't, I wasn't the one who died and I have to start living. And, you know, I, I, there was, I still felt, you know, there's still more for me to do in this world. So although it was a very terrible, sad time, and there was a lot, a lot of, as, as anyone who's lost a spouse knows, there's a lot of adjustments that have to be made. Um, and it's just that fear of the unknown, what's going to happen. So I decided the biggest thing, again, I, I knew that I had to start getting control. I had to start taking control of my own life. He wasn't there to make decisions for me mm-hmm. anymore. And that was what was empowering to me now is going back to that understanding is like, okay, you know, I'm the one that's responsible here now. I can do this. And I have to do this. If I want to move forward, I have to do this. So I started just, you know, one thing at a time, one step at a time. We had a hurricane that was coming. So yep. I thought, okay, we got we got to get prepped for, for that. That was, you know, like three or four months after my husband passed. Shocking to reality, right? Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, it was shocking. It's like, oh my gosh, there's, you know, we were in a hurt. They said there's a hurricane headed towards the Hawaiian islands. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what do we do? It, I remember when my husband was alive and we had little hurricane warnings. He said, oh, we got a flashlight. We're fine. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. But what I did was I thinking, okay, you know what? We're going to get prepped. We're going to make sure we have plenty of food, plenty of extra water. Because at that time, my daughter had had come home to stay with me for a little while. We're going to make sure we've got plenty. So I bought like two dozen flashlights you know, instead of just having one. But it was things that I thought, okay, you know, I'm good now. I can take care of myself. And it was just one, you, you take it one day at a time. You wake up and you just start breathing again. And you take it one day at a time, one step. Sometimes it's one one moment at a time, but the whole thought process is move forward, move forward. And, and that's, you know, one week became two weeks, two months, then it was a year. And now here he's been gone. I was just thinking um, it was over Thanksgiving um, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, this Thanksgiving was when we got his diagnosis of leukemia. So he's been gone, you know, nine and a half, almost, almost 10 years now. You know, I think about it and, and I, I don't mourn his loss anymore, you know, and I've gotten well past that. It's just like there was the joy of living. He had so much joy about him yeah. for life. And that's how we need to to be. And I have to always remember that. And so I try to live in a in a state of joy now. Yeah, you sh- you certainly do. <laughs> I, there was uh, there was something about you when when you responded to me, and I, we got on a short call to just introduce each other, you know, to just kind of find out if we are the right fit. And I felt like 
oh my god this is totally fantastic <laughs> I, <laughs> I love this woman already <laughs> oh thank you no it's it's been you know it is it it is also important to be able to share this experience of losing your spouse with somebody else who did the same and yeah it's not because it's like i believe that we all need something else like everybody is different and everybody deals with things differently and but you know if we are this kind of perfectionists that we mostly are always we start questioning am i doing it right it's like is am, am i taking too long you know it's people start hinting at you like you should be dating again and and it's just it's just so ridiculous because every single person is unique and individual they need exactly different things so I am strongly opposed to certain like time limits or you know oh within first year you shouldn't be doing this and within second year you should and there's plenty of books written on that and it's it's like there was some rule out you know out in the world how this should be done yeah and and i think everybody is completely different person and i have met somebody who she came back to the apartment and threw everything out because she couldn't breathe i have myself i had a room that was full of my husband's stuff that i didn't walk into for a year yeah, and didn't touch anything. Everybody is so different, and so I'm always curious, you know, how someone else. And and, and again, you have completely different background, and you know, and the, and I'm sure the military also played a role in <laughs> yeah how you deal with things. And plus, we both actually, it's funny we have that in common as well, because I started doing uh, coaching, uh, training, and certification. Uh, two years before my husband was diagnosed. Yeah. I was already also trained and I felt that it helped me big time to deal with the, uh, like deal with the whole situation better because Mm -hmm. I was so much stronger and so much, I realized what is important and what is not. And it it just, it's compared to, I used to be that go-getter that, you know, I was kind of rolling my eyes over everybody who would say, oh, I'm trying to find myself. And I don't know, my God, come on, give life. <laughs> right. right. But I became that because then you realize there really, like you said, there is something else, something more than maybe we should be seeking for. But we, even though we do great job and we love it, what we do, or I've had a businesses and everything else, at some point you feel like, is that all there is? Is there exactly. something else? You know, and then again, like you arrive back to teaching again because coaching is basically it's not teaching exactly. per se, but it is very much in that field when you need to understand people's psychology to be able to listen to them and to be able to kind of show them different perspective of and detect where they are running their own story and they may be on this vicious cycle that Mm -hmm. you need to snap them out of there so they can see different picture somebody just recently said like you cannot watch picture from inside of the frame that's exactly right that's exactly right you can't you know I can't even coach myself too well that's why you know coaches we have coaches exactly because we somebody put it this way they said you can't 
read yourself. You, you said the same thing about a picture frame, but you can't see you, the you can't read the outside of a mayonnaise jar from the inside. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you have it's to the have same somebody for business. help you. You are in business and you are you you are dealing with some problem, and because you are so obsessed with the issue and you know the situation and and on the top of it you're dealing with the daily tasks and everything you cannot see the solution because you don't even get quiet enough to be able to that's see. it and that's so somebody quiet else looking at it that has no emotional attachment to it and doesn't have all the issues related to it can see things that are obvious but you can't see it and it's not right. that you're not smart enough but you just you know, from the inside, it looks completely different. Exactly right. Exactly right. And you're you're so right. I absolutely agree with you. Everybody is unique and different, and everybody's going to be working on a different timeline. And even when they decide that they want to make changes or transform their lives, it's a different timeline for how fast those changes are going to happen yeah. for them because their thought processes are different. Their their upbringing is different. You know, their their roadblocks are different as well so there's just so many different factors so yeah there's no cookie cutter response and also the level of personal development that we are willing to approach or not I mm -hmm. think plays a big role because then if you are somebody who always went through the life just dealing with the things as they come and you know kind of like I look at it now when I'm looking back at my life before I started realizing these things, you kind of go half on automatic pilot. Oh, you absolutely. You pay attention to things. You just do what you always did. And then, okay, well, I lost this job. So let me get another one. And, mm -hmm. and always looking at it like temporary solution almost, because then you will be destined for something else. And then right. half a life is gone. And it's like, oh my God, where did it go? And exactly. You're not in the driver's seat. It just, it just happened to you. So I think it's very important when eventually, and, and I've met people that realized it much younger than me. It took me really long time. But it's it's suddenly you see things completely different. And it's not that it's easy. You know, once right. you realize it's not that it's easy to, to take care of your mindset and, and be completely in charge every single day, but you try and you realize the patterns and you remind yourself you're doing you're doing the negative talk again. You you can right? catch yourself. And I think if people can do that, that's really sad because then they are not able to recognize the problems that they are dealing with over and over and over again. Oh, exactly right. They just stay in that circle of you know, self, self guilt or, or yeah. just, and, and it's just a horrible cycle when you see people and sometimes you just want to shake them and say, let me take you out of them. But also then I also believe, you know, sometimes people have to go through that and that's the only way they're going to learn. You have to, to let them learn at their own pace. Sometimes you might be able to say, maybe think about this a little bit. And if they're open to it, they will take that little nugget and then maybe take another little nugget and they'll start moving forward. But it's really so dependent on the individual. As long as they, as they don't settle into it, like that's their new comfort zone. Because some people use their pain for, because they know for sure that, you know, when I'm there and I have my anxiety or I have my panic attack or I have my uh, grief or whatever it is for anybody, that they know for sure that they'll get the attention, they'll get the love, oh, they will get the, you know, it's predictable absolutely. for them. So yep. 
unfortunately there are also patterns in people when they settle in that because that's the certainty that they have mm -hmm. and the uncertain if i change this what if i lose this it's just becoming very very you know emotional roller coaster in their mind because right. instead of feeling it with their heart they start logically coming evaluating everything and it's like you can never help yourself when you are in that place that's exactly yep exactly right i agree with you absolutely so tell me how does it look like when somebody decide to work with you what what can you do for them what do you what do you say you help them with you know i i let if, if i have somebody coming to me for coaching and saying they they need some help I first really asked them, I said, you know, what is it that you, you, you want? What do you want to happen? Where do you want to go? Because I like to start with the end in mind mm -hmm. and then work backwards. And then I just let them talk to me a little bit or a lot and just explain to me how they got to where they are. And one of the things that really I know I'm good at is I am, I'm actually so in, in tune, I, I can see things below the surface, obviously that they can't see, but I can see it at a level that even surprises me. It's so clear to me. I mean, even when I'm doing my photography work, that's what made me a good photographer is that I could see things. If I was photographing somebody, I knew how to get the best angle for them, how to make them sit in a certain way or how to put the light a certain way so that I could bring out their best, what was just below the surface, because it's there. They just need some help bringing it out. And so that's the same thing that when I'm coaching with somebody, the answers for them are there. They just don't realize that it's just below the surface and it's just helping them get below the surface and recognizing, oh my gosh, that's it. You know, and it's a lot of just talking um, and then just bringing out little points and I'll listen very carefully to what they're saying and then at some point I'll say, have you thought about it this way? Because a lot of what I do is getting to get the transformations for people is to get them to shift away from their previous pattern. As a coach, you probably know that too, getting them to think away from their usual thought process and start thinking in a different way. It goes back to when that lady, when I was you know, diagnosed with cancer and, and I hear I'm thinking, boo-hoo, pity me. And she made me shift and think, isn't it great, you know, that you're living in this time and we can we can manage this much better than we could have 5, 10, 20 years ago. So again, when I'm working with people, that's what I like to do is figure out, okay, how can we help them shift the narrative, the stories that they keep telling themselves that really probably are no longer true. They believe it's true, yeah. but we as a coach can see it from a different angle and say, and it's definitely it's not serving them well because exactly because they're, they're stuck they are because yeah. of that yes they're stuck in you know stuck in this kind of endless loop and so it's really helping get in there and short-circuiting that loop and not in a bad way but just helping them step out and say let's change that let's change those words a little bit but let's shift that thought process and and that to me has really helped people you know it's really helping people connect with who they are you know, what were the patterns? What were the positive patterns? I really, that's one of the other things I like to do is help people not look back. It, it's easy to look back on the negative patterns of your past. We, we so easy because those emotions, yeah. we all do that because the emotion is attached to that is so strong. Um, 
But what I try to do is get people to look at their past and say, you know, what were the positive patterns out of that? And they actually have to sit and think about that yes. um, yeah. to do that. And and when I had to do that, actually at the, the retreat with Jack Canfield, he made us all sit down and say, tell us the good things about yourself. And I got choked up. I couldn't talk about myself because we're taught, don't talk about yourself. Don't brag on yourself. And what shifted me and what shifted what, when I shift and work with, with people that want to work with me on this, it was learning that it's okay. You're not necessarily bragging on yourself. Think about honoring yourself, honoring all of the experience that you've had. And when Jack asked me about that, he said, Kathy, let's look at it this way. What is it that you really want to do in life? And I said, I, I want to help people. And he said, well, how can you help people? If they don't know all the good things about you and all the good things that you've done and all the good experience that you've gained, how can you help them if they don't know that? Why would they so, be why would they be attracted to you for that? Exactly. How how can they help you if they don't know what, what you've got? Yeah. And I that was such a defining moment for me. And and he said again. And this is where I take it. It's not about bragging because I couldn't tell people, you know, you mentioned in my bio about the award that I got, but, you know, and there's been other awards, but I couldn't even mention those. I really found it hard because I thought, oh, you don't brag about yourself. But he said, Kathy, you've got to tell people that because that lets them know what you've done and how you got here and how you can help them. Boy, that was a big moment. It, yeah, it really that's, that's actually a very strong moment for most of us, I think, because we we have the tendency to kind of diminish ourselves and you don't want to, you know, be seen and everything. And then you are the best kept secret. You can't get the exactly. if nobody knows. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I find that that's a, actually when I do that in my workshops, that's what I do because I'm like, oh, my gosh, people, you got to talk about yourself. It's okay to brag on yourself again reframing it from bragging or this is an ego-based mm -hmm. way of speaking it, and basically you got to get back and thinking about you're honoring who you are what are you focusing on also yeah from, from yeah previous yeah 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 so interesting <laughs> yeah. so so many you know I, i've just been fortunate to have so many different and interesting experiences and being able to have the opportunity to relay those to other people and then seeing the light bulbs go on for them. Yeah. It's such a marvelous thing to be able to, to share. Do you think that your use in military affected the way you coach? Oh, absolutely. You know, everything, I, you know, the, where I grew up, the, the career that I had in the military, even the negative experiences and that the people that I've come across over the years that may have not been the best or most pleasant people to be around. I think all of those bring you to where wherever you are today and you try to take the best of that. You know, you always have to say, what was the gift in this? And so to talk about what did I learn in the military, you know, it really helped me realize that there is, if you dig, because I was an analyst in the military, I was in intelligence, but basically I was an analyst taking all this information and trying to figure out what was the puzzle here. And it's the same thing when people come to me, you know, for coaching, it's like, okay, we got a puzzle here. How do we figure out where the pieces are going to go together and how they're going to go together? So you take all of this different you know, pieces 
and you start putting them together and and seeing the patterns there and seeing how does this all fit? How does it all work together? And that was where my thought processes from the military would go to. It's like, okay, I've got this, I've got this. This doesn't make sense. So I'm going to go run that down a little bit more and ask more questions about that or do more research on it. And that's the same thing in working with coaching clients is trying to figure out, okay, hey, we've got this, we've got this piece. This is good. This is great. Let's figure out now how these are going together. If something doesn't fit or there's a question that can't be answered, then it may sometimes maybe it's, let's just set that aside for now. And then we're going to come back to it and we'll see what more information, you know, where do we need to go with that? Mm-hmm. You so. just made a case for somebody who I, I met a few people online uh, years back when I was starting in coaching that had the idea that why do I need a life coach? Uh, what are you going to tell me how to live my life? I have a girlfriend for that. And I <laughs> laughed, but you just made the case why it is important because I believe nobody really needs a life coach. Nobody needs it. Right. But if you want to excel, if you want to take it out of the average and be good at what you do or how you live your life or how your relationship is or how your business prosper, whatever it is, you mm-hmm. need another pair of eyes that has expertise into looking into patterns and look at that puzzle like you just mentioned perfectly to see where are the blind spots that you may not yeah. be able to see. And your girlfriend is not going to do that for you. Your girlfriend is going to impose her own opinion on you, which we don't right. do. That's, right. the, that's the big difference because we coach out of place to show you where you may have blind spots and you figure it out. We don't tell Mm -hmm. you what to do or how to approach it. We show you the way, but what I love about it is when I realize you can't tell people what to do because they will, they will, you know, be opposed. They will oppose that. But once you show them that there may be another path, and what about this? And what about this? And how about this? And then suddenly they come with the solution they didn't even see before. Right. That's the beautiful moment when you feel like you got something like, oh my God, I never thought of it this way. Yeah. I, I love those moments when yeah. it's just like, and I have that happen when I, when they reach that. And some that's, you said, you use the word, you know, a coach will help you excel. A coach will also help you accelerate yeah. because we help them get there faster. They could go along and and keep trying to figure it out on themselves. You know, I was that same way myself, but it's like, if you have somebody from the outside who knows how to do this, it speeds up the process. So when you think of it, all the big athletic stars, if they want to get somewhere, they have a coach who sees them on a field and can recognize where they may be having weaknesses, what is the, why certain things happen. And they have different expertise and point of view than you may have because you are playing in it. Just like when we talked before, when you are in your own business solving problems, you may not see all the solutions because you are inside of that problem. Exactly right. Same thing. Like when you have a coach, coach can look at things, see these perspectives, use your own experience from very diverse fields to to support you with seeing completely different solutions 
it's like I like to think about it like you don't think outside of box you create your own box yeah exactly <laughs> you know and, you know and not only athletes have coaches but you know I have a good friend he's an you know he was an aspire he is an aspiring actor but he has a coach mm -hmm. you know and and it took him from just playing background roles you know with little walk-on parts you know maybe maybe being on screen for one second working with the coach he got so good that he actually then had a speaking part a, a real role with one of the stars on on magnum pi yeah. so it's just showing you how a coach can get you really from where you are to where you want to be help you excel and and get there faster and one one of one other thing that was important for me for my personal growth when i i had a three surgeries in my back and i believed doctors at that time and they were telling me that i can't do anything i can't lift anything i basically done for life and then i found a personal trainer my coach who had a wonderful background in physical therapy he was specializing in people with medical challenges like I was because I I never stepped foot in the gym because I believe I can't lift I can't do anything I was like I wouldn't even know where to start not to hurt myself and he started working with me and two years later I'm deadlifting 135 pounds wow and I'm doing 300 pounds on my legs and if you told me that two years before that, I would think that you were out of your mind. <laughs> so that's also what coach does for you. Because yeah. The coach knows how to get you there. And he knows what somebody, there is a wonderful preacher that I'm friend with that has, when, whenever he speaks, everything sticks with me because he is such <laughs> powerful storytelling. And he said, as a, as a like synonym, you can go and visit rainforest on your own. You can totally do it. You can find your way and, you know, and put whatever you take a map and you do, but try to experience it with experienced guide. Yeah. And again, first of all, protect you from making some deadly mistakes that you would walk somewhere and you can really die. Point things to you that you wouldn't even see because you don't know anything about it and you, you wouldn't know what to look for bring you easier faster way so you pre preserve your energy all that stuff it's completely different experience mm -hmm. and and that's that's how i feel the coach's work is you can absolutely do it yourself absolutely but sometimes there's also reason why you haven't done it yet right you know because we I, are not holding ourselves accountable so well are we just we don't another, even yeah we don't know we don't have the expertise to be able to do it you know I have a golf coach yeah. you know yeah I can take the golf club and try to go out and hit the ball and chase the ball hit the ball chase the ball but it, the game is so much more fun since yes. I have a coach to help me really understand the fundamentals behind it and how not to go out and kill anybody on the golf that's course. right yep. <laughs> yeah so yeah it, it coaches you know are, are so and then the thing about a coach too you have to find one that you connect with Exactly. You know, you find one that that understands your needs and connect with because not all coaches are the same either. And, you know, I, I have even had client where I had to tell one client, I, I don't think we're a good fit. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I can refer you to somebody else um, because his needs were different than what, you know, my capabilities or what my expertise was. Yeah. I was not going to get in there.
but having so having that good rapport and good communication with a coach that that gets you is also so important to how it also speaks about your integrity that you actually turn people away because it's in their own best interest it's in their best interest i'm not going to take someone's money if i'm not going to be able to really do right for them because that's my reputation as well they just can't do that then you know that's wasting to me that's wasting somebody's time and a disservice to them as well because they they may then be scarred for years that you know i paid for coach and that didn't help me and uh yeah yeah and then they're totally against they're totally against coaches now yeah yeah. exactly so yeah no, it's abs- and that's the why, one of the reasons i do this podcast because i am uh, i know when people listen to you or listen to somebody else that i featured before uh, we all have preference in people in some it gotta resonate with you because the coaching is very very intimate process and exactly if there is coach for everybody and mm-hmm. sometimes when you listen to people and you listen to their own personal stories and you kind of meet them as a human being as they are, you start noticing what maybe you may not be able to tolerate for you or the opposite. You find like, oh my God, this is totally my person. Exactly. Where have you been my whole life, you know? Right. And that's the whole point why I do this because I think the podcast is such a slow format that we have time to actually really not be shallow go a little mm-hmm. deeper you know go a little deeper what what caused things what what was important to you and stuff like that because it may be important to your clients right when they are exactly. de- deciding who to work with yeah so who yeah. is your ideal client who you most likely work with you know i my ideal client at this stage of my life is people men or women who find themselves at a transition point, you know, whether it could be, they just had a health scare. Now they think I got to change things. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got to change things up. And, and maybe it's not because they need a health coach, but it's because they got to do some other, other work inside and they recognize that, or it's somebody who's transitioned out you know, out of a relationship, you know, maybe they're widowed or maybe they're di- just recently divorced after many years of marriage or they just lost a job, or they decided they need a career change. You have all these people, and I work with people now, I'm finding people after 50, because they're in a different mindset now, because they realize, hey, I'm halfway, potentially halfway, maybe not quite halfway through my life, and I don't want to waste any more time. And so I find that people at this stage are like, I want to do this. I want to transition. I want to change my life. I want to up now when, right? Yeah. If not now, when I want to up my life or I want to change my life, what am I going to do? But I don't want to waste the time. I, I really want to move forward. Those are the people that I enjoy working with the most because one, it tells me they're going to be committed to the process. And the process I take, there is not a long process. I don't try to lock people in for, hey, okay, we're going to do this. It's going to take six months. It's going to take a year. I really like to people get in and out and through coaching, you know, even in 30 days or less than 30 days. Sometimes I can unlock something for someone in one coaching session mm-hmm. and, and they feel like, you know what, that's what I needed. And they're, they're good. I said, you know what, come back if you need a tune up and But those are the people who are at this stage of life and say, 
it's time for me to make some changes. It's time for me to get control because where I am right now, it's not working for me yeah. and, or I, I've got to make a change and, and they're ready for change. Those are the people that I really, truly enjoy working with right now. And they don't have to be 50. Like early birds, as I say, early birds are welcome. But I just find, because some people get to this space a little bit sooner than others. And so it's people who are saying, you know, I need some new motivation. I need some new guidance. I've got to do, I I need somebody to help me. And isn't it also also true when we go through life and we kind of forget to dream? Yeah. We we had all these brilliant ideas when we were young and then life kind of eatens up eaten it up and then you develop your you know protections scars around you and and suddenly yeah you lose track of who you are you lose track of what you really wanted not what everybody else around you want but what you really want that's you know what that's such a, a, a such a great point because up to this point this is another thing is we have been cast into roles you know you go to school you get a career you start a family you're a parent you're a a spouse and you have all these roles that are already predefined for you but what happens now when you get to this point where you've done all of those things and now you're finding yourself at a crossroads you know okay you know you maybe you know you're no longer the spouse well now you no longer have that job title And, and people are saying who am i and and where am I going now and how am I going to get there? That's the people that can really, I feel, use coaching to help them understand, okay, let's look at who you are. Let's get you on this, on this path. Let's, remind let's yourself connect. who you are. Yeah, remind yourself of who you really are. You know, it was sad when I was at my, with my daughter, when she was in college and we were, she was going through some kind of orientation. And I remember it was a mother-daughter luncheon and I was sitting next to another young gal and I said, oh, so what are you going to be studying in college? She goes, well, I my parents want me to go into, into business, you know, study business. And I said, okay. And I could tell that she looked kind of just sad about it. Yeah. And so her mother wasn't listening. So I said, so what is it that you really want to study? She goes, I want to be a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, how that hurt my heart. Because here is what she really wanted to do. Yeah. But she was having to do something else so it, it's when we get to this age now it's like hey you can do what you want to do now go do it and I love talking with the people I loved the one woman who decided that she wanted to start her own business now yeah and, I, and so we chatted about that and basically you know looked at it and what were her, what were her strengths how would she be able to sustain this and we talked about it and and we even talked about no, you need to up your price. (laughs) And and she did it. And she's running a very successful business now. It's totally her own business. You just reminded me with the story of that girl. You reminded me of one client I had years back when she was a lawyer, very successful one. And she was a lawyer because her parents wanted to be. Yeah. And I think especially her dad was really, really proud of being. And so she lived about 20 years of her life in the picture that her parents painted for yeah. her because that's what they wanted and she wanted to make them proud and and that's how she lived and she it's it's funny you get to a point when if no matter how successful you are and no matter how much money you make and 
your parents are proud of you and everybody's like, what would you, like you can dream of better life. If deep inside there is some pain from the unfulfilled dreams that you once had and you have to like push them back because mm -hmm. somebody else wanted something else for you, it never goes away. It, it starts it, growing. It's that calling. And yeah. It's that yeah. calling. And that's why I say, you know what? This is the time now in your life. Go answer that calling. What is calling to you? Get back in touch with that. And I see so many people get so much happier when they yeah. are able to, or they feel like they have to have permission. I said, you never needed permission, but go do it now. If you need permission, then okay, I give you permission. Go, yeah. go follow yeah. that dream. Go go answer that calling because you know? yeah, it's going to keep settle. calling you. Don't settle. Yeah. Exactly right. I think exactly. that's what really drive us. And, and it's uh, Tony Robbins that I have been uh, trained yeah. by. He says, everything grows. Everything in the nature grows. It either grows or dies. There's no mm -hmm. such a thing as staying the same. When you think of any flower or weed or whatever in the nature, you either grow or you die. There is no between. Mm -hmm. There's no staying in one place. It changes and every single day moment right. changes. So you can go back to going down the hill give up on yourself, give up on everything that you really ever wanted. Or you can say, the hell with it. This is my life and that's the one life I have and this is my time and why not now? And and it's it's mm -hmm. a big difference and it definitely requires courage. But I like like you, I have seen people when they, they became completely different people when that light bulb lights up and when they realize oh my god this is yes this, who am i this i have been doing this for so many years oh my god i never and it's just it's it's like pulling out the new flower from the old it one, you really know? is and you know what i also tell people it's never too late because i i have people yeah. ask you know it's particularly women they say you know am i too old is it's too late for me to try to do that and i thought Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> you know, I, I golf with a woman who is 81 years old and, and a gen another gentleman who's 80 years old and they're having the time of their lives with yes. it. You know, it's always, it's, it's, always it's, it's never, yeah. it's never too late. I really try to tell people, you know, if it's calling you, answer. I have a dear friend who moved to the other coast of Florida, unfortunately, so I don't have her nearby as I used to. But I have been there in June celebrating her 90th birthday. Wow. She is the most gorgeous, active, youthful person I ever met in my life. She is still dieting, which I was like, don't tell me all this. <laughs> she is artistic. She she has a classes that she runs in a place where she is. Everybody loves her. She was on a horse. She was canoeing with her grandchildren. Yeah. It doesn't mean that she doesn't have aches and pains and she doesn't have her exactly. issues and stuff, but she wants to live her life to fullest. And it is such a joy to be around her. And that's one of the things also we do. We When, when we start being observed with all our issues and problems, people don't even want to be around you. If you can't exactly right. complain and kind of give up, then 
where else is to go? It's seriously, it's it's if if we can <laughs> inspire somebody 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 who listens to this to take an inventory. If you are really, really happy the way your life is going right now, is this your life? And I I, I have my program that I call Life Without Limits. What okay. are those limits that exactly. are holding you back? Or what limits are you fighting for? Right. Because yeah. we all have the story that we believe so strongly that it became our identity. And it's such yeah. a danger weapon. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just, uh, yeah. If we can encourage others, you know, it it's not too late. You're not too old. Go, go. You'll always wonder. Go give it a try. That's go, right. What, what's the worst that can happen? You don't get anywhere. Well, you're not anywhere with it right now, anyway. That's right. So why not step into it and give it a try? And someone very smart said that the biggest regret people have is of the chances they never took exactly right exactly or that they the other thing that i heard is that they wish that they had started sooner yeah when i talk to people about helping them find their purpose quote unquote um it's they said you know if i had a regret it's wish i had discovered this sooner yeah so why i always tell people so why not now why not so Kathy, this is such a wonderful conversation. <laughs> I've enjoyed this tremendously. Yeah. Uh, I have this crazy question for you. Okay. If, if uh, and I don't want to so- sound morbid, but it's that's the only way to say it. If there was one way to be a something written on your stone oh. about you, what would you like to see there? that describes you as a human being. Oh, absolutely. It would say she lived a life that lights that lit her up. Cuz that's what I, I want to tell that. people. You know, I tell people my my little motto is live a life that lights you up. And you, you know? are. And and that's where, you know, I, and so if you say yeah, you see a light, that's where I feel you have to live a life that lights you yeah. you up. And so I want people to say, you know, she she lit it up. <laughs> I am loving this. That's what I would perfect. Say. That's perfect. That, yeah. That's what I would say. And one more, one more wisdom that we can get out of you before we say sure. goodbye. For people that are kind of considering and they are not sure if it's for them and and they are thinking that maybe I should or maybe I shouldn't and maybe what would you tell them if they are on a crossroads? thinking like maybe this could be their one more chance to to do something that they feel you know it's meaningful it's impactful it it's it has a meaning for them you know I tell people very much to trust their intuition learn to if your intuition or if something's calling you and saying go do this as long as it's not dangerous or illegal you know? <laughs> go, go do it go go do it and here's the thing you can start down the path of doing something and then who says you have to stay that way you can always shift you can always move you know you don't have to stay going that same path if it's not connecting with you if it just doesn't feel right so you know somebody telling you know it's like an airplane you know it's never completely on track it's always adjusting yeah 
as it's flying through the air. So that's the same thing that you can do too. You're not locked in. You can just step forward. You have to step forward to, you know, get into action because again, action, you know, creates moment, creates movement, movement creates momentum. And that's, what's going to get you going towards your goal. You're not going to get there if you just sit sit on the couch and thinking about it for another 20 years <laughs> exactly so i just say just and don't worry about oh i have to wait for this to happen or i'm gonna i gotta i'm gonna get all my ducks in line then it's gonna happen you know all those ducks are never gonna get in line you know yeah. one of them knows even where be, they are <laughs> yeah who, who knows where they are or one of them's probably a pigeon so you know don't wait for those things to happen just start stepping into it and what you're gonna find is that the right people and the right other opportunities are going to start happening and the doors are going to start opening for you. So you have to just start going with whatever it is that's calling you, put it out there. The things, if it's the right thing that's going to happen, it's, it's, and it's meant for you, the doors are going to open. The people are going to be there. The the teams are going to be there. The, The opportunities are going to be waiting for you. It's going to happen. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. I <laughs> hope you everybody enjoyed it as much as I did because that was such a joy, Kathy, to talk. Oh, to. it was my pleasure. I really appreciate it. And I, I I envy everybody who has the privilege to work with you because you are you are this ivy of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> if Thank somebody you. if somebody is not so sure about themselves, I'm sure you fill them up with with huge confidence and motivation and it's it's been really privileged to to talk to you about it because i i believe that that's a perfect profession for you perfect oh thank you so much yeah i feel like i'm where i need to be at this stage in my life so i put myself out there to to want to help people because this is what i'm i'm being called to do you know light that light up for other people yeah, because you have to you have to live your words as well. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. But again, it's my pleasure to have been here also. I can't thank you enough. Oh, it's been a pleasure for me. Trust me. And I, I just would like to say if anybody feel compelled to reach out to Kathy and maybe work with her or maybe get into conversation, what that would be like. Uh, uh, I will be posting all the connections and contacts to her um, uh, in uh, the show notes. And uh, the best way to reach out to Kathy would be on your website? Yes. And she also have a private Facebook group for women called Finding Focus After 50, which is private group for women. And uh, she wrote to me, early birds are bar- warmly welcome. <laughs> so uh, Kathy also have her own podcast that's called Finding Focus After 50. And her website is at KathleenDevonport.com. And like I said, I will put all the contact information below our podcast into show notes. So if you feel compelled to, to talk to Kathy more and maybe see what it may look like if you dealing with something in particular and see if she can help you with that. Uh, please reach out. You can always have a conversation and and you can always find out if that's something that you're looking for and, and if she's the right fit for you to help you get there. Thank you. This was fantastic. Oh, my pleasure. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. And I, we were talking when, when we were 
introducing each each other to ourselves uh, over Zoom a few days earlier, and I was saying like uh, Hawaii is on my bucket list. So maybe who knows? Maybe we become friends, and years later you will be invited to a retreat to come to either Florida or Hawaii to put all our expertise together I and was spend just some thinking wonderful about time together. I think that would be yeah. marvelous. I think we'll have to talk some more. I think that would be what marvelous. I, what I love about meeting other coaches is we all bring in our unique set of experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those experiences shaped us. So those experiences shape the way we coach. Also, the way the, the the type of training that we received is slightly different. The principles are always the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly and right. You can feel who you know. You can feel the coach that can relate to you, that can uh, ask the right questions, that can you will feel heard, understood, not judgmental. You you will have a safe relationship where you can only grow and you can only be encouraged to to take steps to become something that you maybe a long time ago dreamt of becoming. Mm-hmm. And, and like Kathy said, it's never too late. Doesn't matter if you are 50 or 85. Until the day you die, it is never too late. Exactly right. <laughs> it was such a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you so thank much. Thank you too. I know how busy you are, and it was it was meaningful that you made time for us. Well, it was pleasure. Thank you so much, and I hope people will reach out and and see how it may look like to work with the former Air Force. Cadet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Thank again. you so much. All right. Bye. Take care.